0: On the Lordship of Jesus and and, uh, and just make the connection of being from being a Christian, if that would be anybody, to having Jesus as Lord. they are overlapping, but they're not necessarily the same. It says in verse nine, as you know, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus." So here we have our how to get born again, how to get saved scripture. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. For, in verse 10 says, "...for with the, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation." So we're looking here at confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And that word we looked at last week, the word Lord there, is the word in the Greek kurios, or "kaios" or however they say it. And it's an amazing word, and it's an extreme word. It's not a passive word or a, a middle-of-the-road word. It literally means supreme in authority, supreme in authority. So... In order to get born again, to have a conversion, to have a spiritual regeneration, uh, not just a, a an uptick or a, 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 a better position, but to have a complete removal of your old man and a complete renewal or refathering from above, it's going to take something powerful in our faith, powerful in our faith, which means... We have to completely change. We have to say, I was the Lord of my life. I no longer want that. I dethrone me, and I put the Lord Jesus on there, and I make him supreme in authority. The word is also controller. It means he he to whom a person or thing belongs. So we go to Ephesians, and it says, you are bought with, excuse me, Corinthians uh, 620. Ye are bought with a price; ye are not your own. So, and it also means the owner, which has absolute power of deciding. So there we have a we we have a uh, in our mind we go to a slave situation, which was common in the Old Testament, where there were slaves; they were absolutely. Uh, chattel, they were property, they were belonged to someone who had the power of, of every decision over them, and anything they owned, supposedly, or anything that they married or begat, totally owned it, controlled it, was, so, uh, was sovereign over it. It means the possessor and the disposer of a thing. So when you get that slave thing going, you can say, I'm through with you, and just shoot them, or hang them, or Whatever. And nobody would say a word. Commit murder because it was a property. Well, that's the bizarre end, but the positive end is is when we trust ourselves to the Lord Jesus, he has total control over us. That's our, it's a lordship thing. It's not a, it's not a pilot and co-pilot thing. God's my, co- God's my co-pilot or whatever they say. No, that's not how the Word teaches us, that, uh, because we can always open the door and throw the co-pilot out, and we can land that thing. You and I are helpless and hopeless without the Lord Jesus. Um, We look at how that lordship plays out by looking at heaven and saying, you know, heaven is perfect, it's absolutely wonderful, it's There's nothing negative in there, there's no controversy, there's no devil, there's no flesh, there's no sin, there's no curse, there's no disputes, um, there's no lack, there's no competition. Y'all can see that in heaven, there's no competition. The Lord decides, you sit over here, you stand over here. We don't, we don't fuss with the Lord and say, but I want to, or whatever. Uh, there's, no, there's no pain in heaven. So in that wonderful place, we, we find the common thing that makes that thing work is that Jesus is Lord over heaven. There's no devil, there's no flesh, there's no people that are working on their own behalf. So, how do you get Jesus, how do you get born again? Well, like I said, you change Lord, you, you have to depose yourself which is very challenging when you are in control of yourself to depose yourself and put him on. People uh, say, and it's commonly said, you know, just ask Jesus into your heart. That's not true, although the concept is there, and that may be how people can relate to it. But it's we, we as mature Christians can't just say, well, I asked Jesus into my heart. No, lordship is more than just asking him into your heart. Like come in, I have a little spare room back here. we eat breakfast today, we eat lunch at twelve, and we have dinner uh, on the patio at six. you know i he didn't move in he's the Lord. we move in to him, he doesn't move in into us and um look at James chapter four, and this kind of explains the lordship of Jesus we're defining terms here, and the Disparity between what we've been taught or what we've been led to believe, which is passive, which has uh, got a lot of latitude, a lot of room in it of what we can do and what the Lord doesn't care. Uh, one example of that is when people say, uh, "Well, I do this, I do that, I don't do this," and then here's here it comes, and the Lord understands. No, He's He's sovereign. He has the power to depose. Uh, he is completely Lord. He doesn't understand. Now, he, his mercy is is there, but it doesn't mean he understands. He's given us all his authority, all his ability, and then gave us the Holy Ghost to carry out every command, every uh, plan for our lives, every purpose for our lives. So he doesn't understand when we sit down like a little baby and say, I don't want to eat orange. I don't want to eat bananas today ground bananas or or ground up green beans like that baby jar things you know that's a baby that's a toddler he doesn't understand he doesn't understand and so you, now, you can repent of sin and he'll forgive you but it's not but there was a sin there there was a transgression there was a missing of the mark based on the power the authority the ability he gives us in the new birth to carry out his plan and to be under his lordship when we just refuse, it's not he understands, it's rebellion. We just say, I want to be like the old man. I want uh, you, You're not the boss of me, Lord. And that's what many Christians would say, not overtly, of course, but in their actions. You're not the boss of me. I don't have to do what you say. Nope, we don't have to do what he says, but we're going to live a wandering and a rebellious and a curse-filled life in the sense of the elements of this world. In James 4, 7, it says, submit yourselves, so here we have this lordship, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Well, the therefore, if you look up in verse 6, it's, it's, it's referring to God resisteth the proud. So he's saying, <laughs> because he resisteth the proud, doesn't just say, I don't condone it, or I don't, I don't help it, but he actively resists it. Can you imagine the Lord resisting a person I you think of your own children how when they are throwing a temper tantrum over something go clean up your room or whatever and they just they just have a meltdown we resist them we don't say well if you don't want to do that well then let's let's go eat ice cream no we resist them and say okay now we're going to take this up to another level whatever that is whatever that means that's resisting the proud that says the proud says I don't have to do what you say. You're not the boss of my life. You're not my Lord. It's just not true. He is. He has the right of possession, the right of ownership. So then he says, if you'll submit yourselves to God, then you can resist the devil. So apparently the devil here is a major factor in not having a good life. Would you all agree with that? Having the devil is a major trouble to our life and having a heaven Filled or a heaven like life. He said, if you'll quit resisting the devil, if you'll quit, I mean, if you'll quit um, uh, fighting the devil and instead take all of your energy and come under the authority or under the lordship of Jesus, then when you turn to the devil, you don't have to fight him. I already whipped him, but you got to get in me so that when I turn in you, the devil's on the run. Amen. He's not afraid of you and me. Without Jesus, without the name of Jesus, without the mastery, the lordship, the sovereignty of Jesus over our lives, the devil is not afraid. We have different examples of that. One of them was the sorcerer that, uh, uh, that uh, tried to cast out the devil in, in, the, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And how he was whooped. I didn't, go, I didn't get that scripture, but that, that's certainly in there. So, to come under the lordship of Jesus, when you bring someone to the new birth, they have to admit that they're a sinner, which simply means that they are the lord of their life. You have to bring them to a place where they're willing to acknowledge, I am in control of my life, and that's the reason it's a wreck. That's the reason you're going to hell, because you cannot determine anything else. And that's the default of going out of this world and not having Jesus, is you go to hell. that's where everybody concentrates. But really, the pain that people are in is they don't even think about hell. They can't even imagine hell. They got hell on earth. They got troubles. And the reason they're willing to consider a new Lord is because they cannot control their troubles and they cannot get out of them. So you just tell them, you're the Lord of your life. You need a new Lord, one that's good, one that'll never fail you, one that's already made a way for you specifically, and Jesus is that Lord, and then they'll turn. So you bring them to a place of uh, where they they want to switch lords, then you introduce Jesus. But you always have to bring it to the place where you say, He is Lord. He's not just a, a bail bondsman. <laughs> That'll bail you out of your trouble, and then you just bring the money from Aunt Nelda and pay off the bondman. He's Lord forever. He's, <laughs> it's not a fix. It's a change of life. I told you all about the, uh, Gene Hollis' testimony that he told me one time. He said if you take two horses and you put them out in the field and you somehow can induce them to run to the other side of the field, uh, uh... One of them will be faster than the other, but he said you can you can put a saddle and a rider on the slower horse and rerun, and the slower horse will outrun the faster horse because he's under authority, he's under leadership, he's under uh, dominion, as it were. He'll outrun him, and he told me that story. He says, "I'm a." I'm a horseman, and I can tell you this is true because Junior couldn't outrun Coco or whatever his name was unless I was on him. And he said then Junior and me could outrun the other horse, even though there was more weight on him. Um, Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You know, what we're doing here is just explaining the kingdom because it doesn't matter what we want or what we would rather it doesn't matter how we really would think that we could have a better system in the kingdom and that we certainly would rather have one. We're explaining how it already is. I said we're explaining what the kingdom already is. It's unchangeable. Now, the Lord, he could have, he set up the kingdom, and he could have set it up any way he wanted to. But once he set it up, that's the way it is. And he set it up to say, my word is going to run and rule the kingdom. And once I write it down so that you can hold me to account, he said, I will never change it. I and my word are the same. We are one. And so once he established it, whether you like it or not, believe it or not, can get along with it or not, that is the way it is. So I've just decided Jesus is Lord is the best and highest way that I can ever hope to live my life. So let's just quit the crybaby. Or I don't want peaches or I don't want bananas, you know, as a toddler. And I'm screaming my head off uh, in the floor saying, I, you're not the boss of me. Just just man up and say that. When Colin and Eric were growing up, here I go with them again. Colin would get in trouble all the time. And and, uh, and Eric would just watch him and then tell his mother later. I'm not going to do what Colin does. Because <laughs> he was getting thrashed. Colin was getting thrashed all the time. We had a pa- I made a pa- custom paddle, I can't talk about this. A custom paddle, it had a grip on it with with some things on it so it wouldn't slip out of my hand. And, oh, it was a good paddle. I should have patented that thing because it brought results. Hallelujah. But we didn't, we had to find a reason to bust Eric because he just every once in a while had it build up, but he never crossed the line. Y'all know these people that never cross the line, but you know they're just up to the line? So every once in a while we had to just make up something practically and just attach more evil to it than what was really there just so we could bust him. Because the word says if you'll spank them, the, you'll drive foolishness. at it. Foolishness will be far from them. So I just decided to do what Jesus says. Get it right the first time instead of going through the process. Y'all know what the process is? The process is, is when you have something that you cook and... and uh, you know you you know you don't want that, that leftover. You know you're not going to eat that leftover, but you can't stand to just throw a good leftover out. So the process is, is you put it in the refrigerator for two days. Then you throw it out saying this thing's old, it's dangerous, it might have this or that. Then you throw it away and everybody's happy when the truth is you could have just saved it, but we don't do that. We want to put it in the refrigerator. I know this is peculiar just to me, but that's how, that's how I think. Hallelujah. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse three says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. That means to them that are Lord of their life in whom, why are they lost? The word lost literally means darkened in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, which believe not. So they are not able to resist being blinded. There's a power in believing that's able to resist the blinding of the devil. And the more you're in the word and renew your mind to the word, the more you're able to resist the blinding of the God of this world. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, this is what the blinding's for, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So our prayer or our endeavor or our goal is to get the light of the glorious gospel to shine on us. Well, the way it shines on us is to make Jesus Lord. We just, we just say, Lord, uh, I'm going to sign the check, the life check. You write in the amount or you write in what you want me to do because I'm already in. You want me to go to uh, the Philippines and be a missionary I've already signed it, Lord. I'll cash it with whatever you say. You want me me to be uh, a pastor? You want me to be an evangelist? You want me to be a housewife? Whatever you're calling me to, Lord, Jesus is Lord. Well, all of a sudden, the fear and intimidation of of making that statement, you find out the Lord's not nearly as wild-eyed about punishing us or restricting us with something that we just dread, He waits until it's our idea. He waits until we say, you know, I'd like to go somewhere and be in the mission field, or I'd like to have a Bible study, or I'd like to... All of a sudden, it's our idea. Once we submit to him, the boogeyman image of where is he going to send me, and what is he going to have me do, because he's Lord, he can, is taken off, because even though he can, he doesn't, until we want to do it. I was always petrified and I I resisted the Lord when I was young because I really saw myself being on a because I saw in the Baptist church. We got the missionaries come in and they told what kind of bugs they had to eat and, you know, what kind of water they had to drink. And bless the Lord. We weren't needing any bugs at my house and all of our water was crystal clean. I didn't want to be a missionary and go and tell these stories. Well, those people all went because it was in their heart to go. It was not in my heart to go. So I resisted him because I didn't want him sneaking up on me. This is literally how I thought. Sneaking up on me with some calling. So I was always alert. I was always keeping myself just a little space between me and the Lord so that he couldn't reach out there and grab me and suck me into something like that that I just didn't want to do. I wanted to have a girlfriend. I wanted to have a job. I wanted to have me a a, a sports car. I wanted to have, I wanted some stuff. I was just a carnal Christian. I know y'all never been that way, but I I certainly went through that phase. But once I made Jesus Lord, it didn't matter. And then all of a sudden there was no boogeyman. There was no fear of something because he wasn't going to pull anything on me that I didn't like already that I didn't already say I'd like to do that. I hadn't thought of it, but now that you bring that to me, I'd like to do that. And uh, that's evolved into a lot of things, one of them being moving to Alabama. Because when he first said, let's go to Alabama, I'm telling you, we thought it was a mission trip. We thought it was like, we've never been to that country before. Where is that? Is that in the middle of Africa, or is that somewhere in the Middle East? Where is Alabama? It's in the U.S. Who knew? (laughs) I'm telling you. Not all Texans maybe, but a lot of them don't think there is another state. They just think there's, there's little substates that uh, are around it. And I was certainly one of them. So, um, so he blinded my eyes. And he blinds a lot of people's eyes. He blinds them because they won't let him be Lord. They're afraid that God can do something, because he can, that he will. And I'm telling you, he's good. He's good. He's good. He's always good. And he always, every time, listen, this is true. He won't ask you to do anything that he hadn't already seeded you or put in you that you wouldn't want to do. There is an unction there. There's a wooing or drawing of the Holy Ghost. And he sets you up just like, just like we would do our children. If you wouldn't blindside your children and send them off, well, I say that. I do have a pastor friend that years ago he just couldn't take his oldest son anymore he just couldn't take him and he grabbed him put him in the pickup I know this man and he took him down to the army recruiting and he made him sign his wife didn't forgive him for 2 years it was terrible but he did deal with that boy and see, except for that in the end it turned out good but uh the lord does not he he's not going to make you sign up for something you don't want to give he gets, he gets you in the mood to give. He gets you uh stirred up. Um let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Now I want to talk about these, these darkened people. Um these uh these people that the the God of this world has blinded them that believe not. In Ephesians it talks about these people. In chapter 2, verse 1. He 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 there's a display here, and you And you, that would be us, he hath he quickened, that means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So that's who's blinded. They're dead in trespasses and sin. Here it is again, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world, The spirit that right now worketh in the children of disobedience. So the devil's crowd, he's working in them. Among whom also we all had our conversation. That word means lifestyle. In times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Look, look. And were by nature, by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. Now, I want to remind y'all, as I often do, that sinners are the same as you and I physically, but there is no similarity after that. They are not real people in the sense of you and I being born again. They are just humans. And they only, sinners, only conform to anything based on their own personal View of the reward or of the pain. They are lawless. If you're not born again, you are lawless. You are a rebel. Oh, they're the nicest people in the neighborhood because it's good for business, it's good for a lot of things, but they are totally self promoting. And they stay in the lines because that is the culture or the society. Uh, that that will bring them the most profit or increase to their life. But you can't put any weight on them. The Word says do not go into business with them. The Word says do not marry one of them. Because they will, at some point, come out of that. The lines will change. The lines that they think are acceptable will change. And if they need to, they will use you, if you're in business with them or married to them, they will use you to promote their own agenda. It is a terrible thing. If we could take off the facade of the human or the person and look what's inside, you would see um, the darkness and the self-enthroning and the self-promoting that they are. They are of their father, the devil, and there is no light in them. You go, well, that's not true. I know somebody that's not born again, but they're the nicest people. It's all a conjured light. It's always as, uh, um, what does the word says, that the angels of darkness transform themselves as angels of light. But they are not. They've learned the system. They know how it works and how to get along and how to get in there. But, they, but their inward working is based on an evil and an ungodward drive. And they'll take you out. They'll take you out. And all the things that everybody's crazy about in our nation, about guns and the deaths, they were all people that were not born again. Even if you take a carnal Christian, they've got the light in there. Even though they didn't renew their mind, they don't think right, but they've got that light in there and they will not do those things uh, because the light will stop them. It's a serious thing to go into business or to marry, uh, which is going into business, a sinner, an unregenerated person. Uh, The Word says don't even eat with them in the sense of fellowship and exchanging the precious things that you are with them with the intent of promoting a union. I'm not talking about that you wouldn't eat with them so you couldn't get them born again, minister to them. But if you're not ministering to them, they are ministering to you and they're bringing their darkness in. Yeah, I can take you to Psalm uh, 1, where it says, walk not. I'll just do it, since I'm right there, and we don't know exactly how we're going to go this morning. We'll just go there. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. It says the. Ungodly, in verse 4, are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And on and on it goes in other places. Uh, the big difference between you and I and the unrighteous or the sinner or the ungodly. There's just society, our culture, our 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 way of living... Has blended them in. In the Old Testament, God told them, "Don't you even, don't you take even slaves uh, when you conquer a, uh, a ungodly nation? Don't don't let, don't take their people as slaves because they will pollute you. And do not take as wives those of the Perizzites, the Hittites, and all those people because they are ungodly and they will they will bring their influence in and bring you down." Hallelujah. Uh, we are fooled if we if we think they're like us, and they just don't go to church. They just don't believe like we do. Uh, they are of their father, the devil. So uh, going on here in Ephesians, but God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with him, with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Let's say that together. It is the gift of God. It is not a, a a behavioral change. It is not in the head. It is not in the soul. It is a spiritual regeneration. Second uh, uh, Corinthians 5 says... Uh, let me read that so I don't misread that. 5.17 says, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation... Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So it's not just a, a, a new frame of thinking. It's not like a, a yoga and meditation changed my life. It's a complete washing out of the old, a complete eviction of the old man, and a regeneration or an impartation of the new man. We literally, the Bible says, become refathered from above. re and we so the old things, we have to leave them. And that's part of what First 1 John 1, 9 uh, says, that we, we take on uh, an attitude or a perspective that the old man is dead, and what I did in him is no longer relevant. It may be on some criminal record. It may be on a bankruptcy form. It may be on some uh, credit report. You didn't pay. You didn't do. You, but, but we in him... Are completely exonerated and completely cleansed. It's as if that stuff never happened. And even in bankruptcy, they after I think it's seven or ten years, they exonerate or they expunge your record, and you, it's as, you, you can't even find it. You go look it up after ten years. So even our system has it. And then there was the jubilee that in every fifty years, you just got a new life. Well, Jesus is everything that they could have in the Old Testament. And he's every day. <laughs> he's not 50 years away. You, couldn't, you could hardly sell a piece of land back there on credit five or ten years out because they knew the Jubilee was coming. and it was <laughs> So it was worth less and less every year according to how close it was to the Jubilee. So that's, uh, that's the unregenerate. Let's look at the unrenewed. That's in Ephesians 4. So there's a difference between the unregenerate and the unrenewed. Now, you can have carnal Christians. Do you all know that? Well, we were all that. From when we got born again till we got to be renewed, we were all carnal. It's a process. It's like every man, every woman, used to be a kid, used to be a baby. Yeah, now, I just was born full grown. I don't think so. We all did that stuff. No different. It says in chapter 4, uh, let's look in verse 17. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth, from now on, starting today, walk not as other Gentiles walk, that's races, in the vanity of their mind. The word vanity of their mind literally means emptiness of their soul. We are empty in our soul. Do y'all know how fast we can change our mind? We can change our mind. I'm on a diet. I'm not eating that junk no more. Open the refrigerator, and there it is. And all of a sudden, she comes in the door, and you got chocolate pudding and cake all over you. Like, what happened to you? I was, I was empty in my soul. I couldn't hold, I couldn't hold the decision. <laughs> what are you looking at me for? <laughs> okay, we've had a little ice cream issue at, at our house. <laughs> Woo-hoo. So that's what that is. We're just empty. There's, there's no conviction in our soul. You're convicted down in your spirit, man. But there's no conviction. You, there's preferences in your soul, but you, you can't, you know, none of us can. We, we change our mind. And so uh, it says, uh, verse 18, having the, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So they're born again, but they don't know anything. They are still living the life of the carnal, even though they have the light shining from inside. They don't fan the flame. They don't, they don't, they don't increase the new birth, the regeneration, and fan it by renewing their minds with the word of God. Growing up spiritually, growing up from the inside where you develop this inner man, It says, uh, uh, verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over into lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. Um, Verse 21, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the trust is in Jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversation, that means lifestyle, way of living. You put off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now here's the problem in the church, is that we think that what you do or how you think determines how you've been regenerated. There's lots of people. You'll run into them. I certainly have that are, that have been born again, they, they got regenerated in their human spirit. And the gifts of the callings of God are without repentance. He doesn't change his mind. But they're, they're this man. They're the unrenewed man. They, the devil came and stole out of them uh, and offended them. They got offended. You go to Mark chapter 4 and it talks about the stones and the weeds and the, and the shallow soil. They, they got offended, and so they never grew. And so, as we see in our society, uh, uh, young adults that have uh, uh, that are challenged in their intellect and challenged in their development, but they're full-grown. You can see that they're a, they're a, they're an adult. They're fully developed, but they're not able to 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 put on uh, responsibilities and in, in the vision. They have a caretaker usually. Well, that's that's what happens to some people. They're they're born again. But they never got to develop. And so they act like sinners. But they're not sinners. And they will go to heaven. You go, well, they're acting terrible. Well, I know there's certain denominations. I can, I can na- name them for you. That throw them all under the bus. Well, even, even if you sinned yesterday and you didn't repent of it and you get run over by a truck, you're waking up in hell. Well, that's wrong that's wrong a child is a child this this challenged adult that was born to these loving parents uh, didn't have a chance because of some some dna or some disease or missing chromosome i don't know but you know what i'm talking about as far as they just didn't have a chance well they're they're uh they're theirs they're they're full of love they're the nicest people there are on the planet because they you because you learn meanness and so, but they're 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 theirs. But then you take someone that's uh, that's never been born again, and they're moral and they're good. I tell the story in jails and and to certain people when I'm witnessing about the, you know who's going to go to heaven, the grandma that was in church all of her life, had her grand sugars there, worked worked in the bazaar or whatever. But she never did make a connection to Jesus. She never got regenerated. She just knew about God, and informationally, she seemed to grow, but she never made a connection with the Lord Jesus down there. And then you, 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 you pan out here and go to a hardened felon that's been convicted, and he's going to the death row, and he's on his way down there, and they, they put a minister in his life, and he gets born again. But he's got all this mess in his life. Well, who's going to heaven? Well, everybody in the county jail, and I'm telling you everybody, they say grandma's going to heaven, and this dude, we're putting him down. And it's just the opposite. They can't bear it. They cannot bear it that grandma, and that's who I use, their grandmother. When you're in jail down here at the county jail, all you know is your grandmother and your mother. That's the only two people that are good in the whole world. Everybody else done you wrong, and everybody turned on you but Grandma and Mom. And so when you say, well, Grandma that didn't make Jesus Lord is going to hell, they told me down there, I've told you all this before, don't ever let them get between you and the door. And they started coming around. so <laughs> I just backed up to the door. That's the way everybody is. They, can't, they want it to be, what, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? So you could be a bank robber and be born again. And you could be a deacon in the church, a, an elder, a trustee. I mean, you'd have to be a religious form and, and, and bust hell wide open. How can that be? Because it's all based on this part down in here. What, what's, what's in this part, not what's up here? Because we have all, guilty as charged we are, we've all contrived a righteousness in our soul that's not genuine to our spirit. We've all put on our best side when we had to, when we needed to, which is most of the time. Um, Let's go on here. Um, Big controversy in the kingdom. You know, if you get saved, but you get into sin, even even if you marry someone, you divorce a woman and then you remarry, well, you're going to hell and he's going to hell or she's going to hell. I mean, all sorts of things that are based on what you do outwardly, what you do in your body, having control over what your spirit's going to do what the spirit does is completely i'm telling you it's completely disassociated with your body we're going to get new bodies when we leave this place we're not even going to take this trash hole we're not even taking it to heaven with us tell me if i'm wrong so what does god care if you if you don't even get to take this mess with you then what's he going to judge when you get there? It's going to be the spirit man. That's what's going to rise up and meet him in the air. Or that's the thing. There is no judgment seat for the, because God doesn't have to look at you and talk to you to say, Are you, did you know Jesus? <laughs> There's no light. It's totally dark. The unborn again man is totally, he is an abyss. He is a black hole. There is no light in him. The word says of the devil, um, um, what does it say? Well, there's no light in him. There is no light in the devil, and there's no light in these people. So if you're born again, even though you are just, you're in the mafia. Now, there is a, there is a thing in Hebrews, I will preface it, to say, if you've been in the things of God and tasted the good things of God, in other words, you've worked in the Holy Ghost, you, you've experienced the gifts of the Spirit, and you deny him and you turn on him, you can disassociate yourself. But I believe it's a very narrow window and one that has to, you have to be super qualified in the kingdom to and, and actually go to the depths of devil worship practically in order to reach that place. But it does line that out. But otherwise, now let's get the other side of that because there's two parables, one that talks about how to get born again. You can get born again at the last minute and get into heaven just like someone that got born again when they were eight years old. Does that seem fair? Here you are, you're 82, and you're on your deathbed, and someone comes in and says, would you make Jesus Lord? And they say, with all my heart, and they they truly get born again. They, they plop over into heaven, and then this kid that's grown up from 80 to 84 and been the shining, been a missionary, and they both get to heaven. Everybody's like, what's that all about? That doesn't seem fair. There's another parable the Lord talks about in the vineyard where your rewards over there are based on what you did over here. So the old man that just barely got in... He has no rewards. But the man that's been in there since he was eight years old, been born again, he's stacked them up. There's no wood, hay, and stubble in his life. He's got uh, 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 gold, silver, and precious jewels, the word says. He's going to have a place in heaven that, that is justice or is right for his life of service here on earth. Lots of people, though, I believe, and I've talked to them, they try to game the system. They try to live like hell here on earth. Fun, fun, fun. And at the last minute, because they, they've been to church enough to know that at the last minute they'll give their life to Jesus. But you know, if you miscalculate, it's a long time to pay that debt. You never can. You're in hell because you just misjudged the timing. Nobody saw that truck run that stop sign. Nobody, <laughs> Nobody saw the mugger that just stabbed you in the back. And all of a sudden your calculations are off. Amen. Uh, let's go on there, and then I think we'll we'll wind this thing up. Uh, verse 20, uh, let's go back to 24. And that you put on the new man, so I'm putting him on every day. Are we putting him on every day? We're putting him on because there's a resistance in our soul which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So we take the born-again man the, that's down in here, the fire, the light, the, the life of God that's in us, and we feed that and we give place to that and we, we, uh, we allow it to be trained and we expose it to light and holiness and righteousness and we eschew evil and we, we, we separate ourselves from the unrighteous deeds of darkness. That's what he's talking about. Because if you don't, you'll be born again, but you'll be a light that's in the midst of darkness, and they'll always try to snuff you out, and and they will. They'll snuff you out. You'll be just like them outwardly, even though you're born again on the inside. Verse 25, Where, uh, wherefore, putting away lying. It's talking about a born-again man here. Speak every, Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Point yourself with me and say it. Neither give place to the devil. That's just this, this isn't a heaven and hell scripture. This is a living a life scripture. Give place to the devil, you're going you're gonna to live a sinner life even though you're going to heaven. You're going to have hell on earth. God doesn't care. God has solved the sin problem, family. He has solved the sin problem. Jesus solved the sin problem. So when you sin, when I mess up, does God get, does he go wild-eyed and say, oh, I lost one. Now he's going to hell and I lost him. Not at all. He doesn't, sin does not bother God. It bothers, it bothers God because it bothers us. It tears us up. The wages of sin are death. And when we sin, We invite death into our life. Nothing works. Your marriage fails. Your business fails. Your money. Nothing works because of sin. So that's what bothers God. is, is, Is Sin gets in our life. Death gets in our life. But he doesn't quit loving us. What shall separate us from the love of God? The apostle said. Neither this and neither that. Nothing separates us. He loves us. So we have the prodigal story, the prodigal, where the father's out looking for a junior every day. But he's off with riotous living. But father's looking every day. It's the story of enduring love. So, so if you get born again, you're good. But you could live a hell-filled life on earth. You could be in the pig pen with the, with the swine, couldn't you? Uh, let him, this is the amazing verse here, verse 28. Talking about to Christians, let him that stole steal no more. You'd go, well, why do you have to tell Christians, don't steal? Because they don't know. They got born again, but they didn't get anything with their new birth. They didn't renew their minds. And I tell you, a lot of churches, they teach trash. They put you under the law and nobody can bear it. And they get uh, they, they run from the law. Uh, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let's see where we're going here. Well, that's that's enough of that. So y'all get that? So making Jesus Lord, you you have to to get born again. You have to get him in your life. And there's no there's no tricky, wicky way to do it. You can't just go down to the front. Well, I went down to the front, which is how I got my experience was, my da- my mother was after my dad. She was Baptist. He was Methodist. And I don't think Dad was born again. None of none of the Methodists that I knew were. Most of the Methodists, and I'll have to take this off the tape, but most of the Methodists I know today are not born again. I hate it to say it, but I've just I've got a bunch of Methodists born again, and some of them were trustees in their church. They just never get the gospel presented. I I talked to one recently, and I said. Has your pastor ever in all these years presented the gospel? Like, what's that? So I told her what the gospel was. She said, I've never heard that before. I've always just heard do good and don't do bad, and God will take care of you. Which brings up, let me tell you this story. I told, I told Deborah yesterday, I saw the record of it. A little boy in, a, in another country, not America, uh, got an audience with the Pope. It was a children's event. And um, I think he was Albanian or something. And uh, asked the Pope through an interpreter, "My daddy is an atheist. Will he get to go to heaven?" And so the Pope had to answer that. And so the uh, and then the little boy explained uh, that he gave to a charity. He there was something that he did that was good. He gave to a charity or or, or something. I forget that part. And the Pope looked at him and said, "Well, that's good." And that shows that he has God's love in him, or he couldn't have done that. But he's an atheist, and the Pope finally told him, "It's okay, your daddy's, your daddy's going to heaven." I mean, just it was a, just a blatant wraparound of, uh, of of talking to children. But he's on record of saying this man. So, so why would why would you can't tell? You've got to witness to everybody. you got to confront them. I went to a conference when I was early in the ministry, a Larry Lee p- a conference in Garland, Texas, uh, Rockwall, Texas. And uh, after the meeting was over, I told you all this on the fourth day, a Baptist deacon, been a deacon, 40, been a deacon 40 years. He was an older man. He got born again. Now, I don't know if he was really not born again or if he just got under a message and felt like you know he was under condemnation. But he wasn't confident with it. My point is, is he wasn't sure and we ought to be sure. Now, if you're, if you're running drugs and you're, you had a, and you and grandma got along when you were visiting her, when you were eight and you got born again, but now you're running drugs because you got in the wrong crowd. Nobody can tell that you're born again. So you have to minister to those people as if they're not born again, but God's the judge after it's out of our hands, which as soon as they die, well, then he, he takes over. Well, everybody down there said I was probably saved. It doesn't matter. God's going to judge that based on did you have a regenerated spirit? That's all that matters. Did you get you? It doesn't mean I love God and I, I believe in church and I, I have three Bibles. If you ever get on the airplane and they, tell, and, and you, they find out you're a Christian, and then they start saying, well, I've got three Bibles at home right now, and my wife was a Christian and grandma's buried. They'll start telling you all about this stuff. It doesn't matter. Are you regenerated? Are you regenerated in here? That's all that matters. What did you do with Jesus Christ? He's got to be the Lord of your life. So I'm encouraging us, not just for yourself to thank Jesus Lord, but the more you do, the more your light's going to shine. He is the light, and as he is lifted up, he will draw through us, all men unto him, the word says. We've got to put on Jesus. I got to put on the Lord Jesus, which means making him Lord, not being arbitrary, not arguing with the Lord, not second guessing the Lord, being easily persuaded to believe. Assuming that what I heard was him rather than sitting back and arguing with him. Even when we spent that year just deciding where he wanted us to move or and then where it wasn't arguing with the Lord. I was in. I just didn't want to go to the wrong place. And I sure didn't want to go and leave my church, which was a good church, (laughs) if I wasn't sure. So we prayed it out. We prayed it out. And for a year, we prayed it out. And one night, we went to a Bible study in our own church. And the Lord spoke and said, separate unto me, Barnabas and Saul, Acts 13. And we knew. So he'll tell you. If you're born again. If you speak in tongues, you're born again. Just for the record. If you ever wonder... I wonder if I'm saved. You can't speak in tongues unless you're born again. Amen. There, there's some argument about that, but that's my personal. You've gotta you got to have the new birth. So, let your light shine. We put on the Lord Jesus. So, Lord, we do. We, we recommit, or we commit more, or, we, or we, are, we, 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 Lord, we turn our sails into the wind of Holy Ghost who's always lifting up the Lord Jesus. And Lord, we, we get off a mediocrity, uh, a, even a semi-comfortableness that just says, Hey, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. And what else is there? Oh, Lord, there's so much more. Otherwise, when at the new birth, you just zip us up to heaven. You just say, That's it. There's no more. But there is more. And Lord, I thank you for the witness of River Church and these wonderful Christians, these, these wonderful family that have made Jesus Lord of their life. And I thank you, Lord, for using us in these end days. Lord, let us have a clear image in our own hearts of what the Lordship of Jesus looks like through us. Not mediocre, not good enough, not that'll pass, but always striving in the sense of faith to, Lord, to be a brighter light and a louder voice. I ask you for boldness for River Church, Lord, that we would be bold to do whatever you would ask us because Jesus is Lord of our life. Amen. 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 Woo-hoo! Jesus is Lord. It's the only thing, it's the only message we have, actually, is that Jesus is Lord and that we're to look like him. We're to act like him. We're to put on the Lord Jesus. Who are you in Jesus? That's who You ought to be acting like. Amen. Does anybody need prayer this morning before we go? I'm going to ask you, Justin, to pick up your children before you go and not get home before you remember somebody's somebody's got them. (laughs) Aren't they precious? Your babies are so precious, I'm telling you. I'm just, what a blessing. What is a blessing. Lord, we pray for Justin right now. Thank you, Lord, for this man of God. Thank you, Lord, for giving him to us. And Lord, I thank you for his children, I thank you for his life. But now, Lord, Kadehesi, I speak a piercing through for his life. Lord, that where things have just been sitting there simmering, not going anywhere, whatever that means. Lord, you've already you've already, you've already excelled in his finances, beyond what he could ask or imagine. I'm asking you for a miracle in his family and a miracle, Lord, for his life. Lord, he loves you, but Lord, I'm asking you for a a rewarder of them that diligently seek him reward. And I speak peace into your life, wisdom upon you and through you, and a saving, a saving of souls, even in your own family, because of your strong stand for the Lord Jesus. I thank you for the conviction that you've demonstrated being an effect. I said an effect a changing a life changing effect on everybody that's watching wondering if you can follow through i thank you lord for persistence and perseverance causing my brother to excel at his race we speak blessings upon him blessings in jesus name amen amen hallelujah we love you justin taylor you're a blessing amen amen anybody else Everybody good? Let's meet back Wednesday night and renew our minds and and, and, and uh, paint the image of the Lord Jesus onto our souls. Amen. God bless you.